Welcome back to Indiana Joseph and the Temple of Corn. Thanks, Jason. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 459 of Motorsport 101. I am your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And I have a delightful, nutritious meal for all of us in this server listening along to this podcast as we record it. Is it corn? For, it's corn. How did you know? <laughs> like, honestly, it's glory to the corn, the glorious corn that is IndyCar's doubleheader at Iowa. Now we've added Carrie Underwood and Kenny Chesney. They didn't mention this at all during the broadcast over the weekend. We forgot about Ed Sheeran. We have got to talk about Ed Sheeran. He waved the green flag and everything. It was lovely. I love that lead if he was like, he's been following IndyCar for ages. Like, I mean, he's, he's actually just a, just a big F1 fan, you know, but it's, it's, it's fine. He's one of us now. We're claiming oh, him. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, oh, and we also <laughs> forgot uh, Zach Brown. Not that one. The, the, uh, the musician Zach Brown. The Zach Brown band, of course. I did challenge my uh, my Discord to uh, every time that Lee Diffie was going to mention Kenny Chesney, Carrie Underwood, the Zach Brown Band, or Ed Sheeran over the course of Iowa to take a drink. There were 14 fatalities. <laughs> well done, everybody. Um, I, uh, <laughs> oh, These oh, were great sacrifices made in the name of Penske perfection. Indeed, uh, because uh, guess what, folks? Joseph Newgarden did something that only two other men in IndyCar history have ever done, and that is take a doubleheader sweep. Um, he won both 250 lap races in Iowa, and all of a sudden, we might have only one man left that could reasonably even mount half a challenge on Alex Pillow, who, if you've ever seen a cold open from The Office, I'll mention one a little bit later, uh, in regards to what happened at the end of race two. We'll get to that in a minute. But with me as ever, of course, is Mr. RJ McConnell. Hello, sir. It's another one of these, huh? It's another one of these. You should be for, delighted right now. For three consecutive years, it has always been a matter of Joseph Newgarden kicking out a 2.9 and a half, making the big baby face come back. He's hitting all of his signature ropes. He's hitting shit off the top ropes. And the last three years, he's been pinned. <laughs> you know, you know what he is right now. He is that epic <clears throat> Cesaro comeback in the WWE. He just takes out everybody via elbows, flying presses, and kicks, and still ends up losing. <laughs> the greatest hot tag ever seen. <laughs> but, it's uh, gonna be another one of these. But it's gonna be them, isn't it? Unlike last year, everything held together. Joseph finished the job. He did. Gloriously and <clears throat> dominantly, I, I must say. Uh, oh, and Zoe says, and abs. Don't forget those abs. Y yes, of course, Zoe. We will, we will not forget the eye material to make all of us jealous because we all know that Joseph Newgarden is basically Ken. And the way this season's gone, Alex Pillow is basically Oppenheimer. Anyway, also joining us on this week's edition is RJ O'Connell. How's it going, RJ? Like, Thank you for introducing me again. <laughs> Hello, I'm RJ O'Connell, and uh, joining me is RJ O'Connell. <laughs> 
300 <laughs> shows together, and I think that's the first time I've ever introduced someone twice by accident. That's my a mother, first for me. My mother, bless her He's heart. RJ. Still. He's RJ. I'm RJ. Is there any other <laughs> RJs I need to know about? Well, one of you one of you can be Rory, and another one of you can be James. Hi, Cam there you go. Hi, Cam. How's it going? Um... Well, as my new identity of uh, as of R.J. O'Connell, um, I pledge to put almost as much effort into coverage of Japanese motorsport as the previous R.J. O'Connell. So I love it too. Um, uh, Get ready to learn Nihongo, yep. buddy. Nihau. <laughs> Get ready to learn waking up for Super GT, buddy. That's 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 my big one this year. Ohio Gazimas. Um, Ohio Gazimas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, just enjoying um, my continued pick for the title, climbing up like Frieza after the spirit bomb, going, by the way, not dead. <laughs> K-Thanks die. Because <laughs> Alex Pelo turned a pair of eh, okay races into a seventh and a third. An eighth and a third. He matched eighth his worst finish of the season. It was eighth. <laughs> wow and yeah and as Zoe said this was the pair of races he was dreading and he still had the audacity to have his average finish fall to a meagre 3.5 on the year Whew. well I mean it doesn't have a patch on the average favorite finish of the guy who's doing the same <laughs> thing to F1 right now because dear god <laughs> Also, fun fact, we didn't mention this during our F1 show, but before we mention it here real quick, Max Verstappen's average finish this year, 1.18. What the hell? (laughs) 1.18. That is the best combination of elite driver, elite team, elite vehicle, all one together. I mean, this was was another... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about Joseph Newgarden's pair of wins. We'll talk about another potentially sketchy finish to the end of race two uh, because uh, IndyCar can't help themselves sometimes. And we've got to talk about ovals in general. Do we need more ovals? I think the answer to this one is obvious. I think we do. But we'll talk a little bit about that over the course of the next 40 minutes or so. You can basically you can find this real quick. We're on uh, YouTube.com. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. If you want to find our personal That's the name it's been and it's always and it always will be. Motorsport <laughs> underscore 101, Dre underscore WTF1, RJ O'Connell and RJ O'Connell. Um, See Buckley 917. <laughs> of course, you can check all of our thoughts out on the website as well. Motorsport101.com. All of our episodes are on there as well as... Um, written stuff by yours truly if you want to have my mid-season my mid-season thoughts on formula one that's all out and full that was over six thousand words i I stretched myself thin putting that up um but it was fun so do check that out if you haven't already i might still do one for moto gp before we get going again next week i'll have to wait and see how i feel for time but uh it is precious but by the time this episode goes out i've also had all my drr thoughts on iowa as well because that's stuff to talk about from there as well that i wanted to address all of that on the website of course and if you really like us you can back us financially on patreon patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 five bucks gets you early access to all of our shows 10 gets you into the supporters club of our discord server we can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded thank you very much for anyone that's tuning in and watching along with us as ever 
Gents, should we do this? Should we talk about Iowa's doubleheader and glory to the corn? Death, taxes. Joseph Newgarden obliterates both Iowa 250s. He made history as just the third driver ever to win five consecutive oval races, joining A.J. Foyt and Al Unser Sr., dating back to the end of last season. Combined, Joseph Newgarden, by himself, led 341 of the 500 total laps. Will Power and Scott McLaughlin added that total, which meant that Team Penske, as an enterprise, combined to lead 492 out of 500 laps this weekend. (laughs) And Joseph Newgarden, what? (laughs) with this victory, the first time, the only the third time in history since IndyCar Series started doing these doubleheader weekends, first on street courses and some on ovals, that anyone has swept both races a weekend. With those two wins, Joseph Newgarden reduced Alex Below's title lead down to 80 points with five races left. Oh, he's doing it again. Trey, surely this title race can't still be on. Well, as Zoe mentioned in the chat, I've got to mention this as a side note real quick. I love that Will Power absolutely destroyed the field in qualifying by over a mile an hour on both his laps, and Will was pissed off at how average his laps felt. I love Will Power. May he never change. Um, what a guy. Um, like, if anyone's ever seen that episode of The US Office... And I can't remember the name's character because I've not watched the show regularly, but the scene where the guy's in the nightclub and he looks behind him and he goes, ah, fuck! (laughs) (laughs) And sees Alex Polo when he was third in race two. Dwight? That's the one. Thank you. Um, Yeah. Where where, where Dwight looks behind him and goes, ah, fuck! And then sees Alex Polo there because Polo had just finished third. You can literally hear, if you listen to the post-race broadcast on race two, Joseph shake Polo's hand and says, you weren't supposed to be here. Um. (laughs) I mean, it's like the last time I had a feeling that that was after Russia 21, when after all the chaos and Lando went off, Lewis comes home for the win. Max is 100th Formula One Grand Prix victory. Max started near as enough dead last from an engine penalty. He finished second. Yeah. And Lewis just looks over and goes, what do I have to do? <laughs> I can't get away from this guy. Yeah. It, it makes it all the That's more That's how they Yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to put it in this context, both these Iowa races were just their classic blistering pace short oval races where we had a long, long green flag runs. And with the pace of the Penske cars in and out of pra- traffic, Alex Pillow got lapped in both races – and he got lapped twice in race two. He did but get some Pelo help from got, wave arounds. Yeah, and Polo got waved around both times, got back on the lead lap, and then took advantage of um, who was slow off the finals up besides McLaughlin. McLaughlin. There was one of, it was it was it was Ericsson, wasn't it? Rosenquist. It was Rosenquist. Rosenquist. Who was, was looking like tires? Like, yeah, the, the tire <laughs> fall off was insane. It, it was. Worse than the 2013 F1 Pirellis. It was unbelievable. When you combined Iowa's age surface with uh, the sheer amount of downforce and low that these cars were putting on the tires, and plus 
it's a hot midsummer mm. afternoon in Iowa. I think to, race to, two, race two was way hotter than race one temperature wise. It was pointed out that Indy Nest, who ran their race at night, they're lighter cars, they don't put as much stretch on the tire. There were some people in the IndyCar paddock that saying, yeah, if you if you put us against the Indy Nets guys, they would probably be kicking our ass by the end of the stint. Yeah, they I, were about 15 miles per hour quicker than the IndyCar, uh, than the full-fat IndyCars by the end of the stint. It was like 155 to like 140 average. Yeah, yeah. Like it was well, um, credit to Krista Hardy for putting that out on our Discord server. It was well worth a mention because they, they, the, the exact quote I remember was, if it was a 50-lap race in Iowa, the Indy next car would likely win. And we, 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 when we saw the, the difference in tire life, if you ever if actually watched the Indy next race, Christian Rasmussen was dominating the first part of that race. There was a late caution right at the end, and with literally two laps to go, Jacob um, Jacob Axel was 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 raining him in at a rate of about 0.8 of a second a lap, and nearly beat Rasmussen over the line. If the race was 300 yards longer, Rasmussen probably loses because he had put so much of his tire down in the first half of that race. Where at one point he looked like he could lap the field, <laughs> the drop off was so extreme he almost lost the win altogether. Yeah, Abel was 0.4 behind over the line. Thanks, Jason, for filling us in on that one. That's how wild the Iowa tire drop off was. And for Joseph Newgarden, it just didn't fucking matter. He was just that good. Like, yeah, I'm going to be real with you, Trey. <laughs> Go on. I didn't watch the first race. I don't blame you. I saw qualifying. I saw it was a Penske locker. I'm like, you know, I have better <laughs> things to do with my afternoon. Because <laughs> I it, just like, knew. People forget that, like, you know, oh, IndyCar uses the same chassis. So what's really the difference? It's it's the damper package. It's it's the way mm. they massage the suspensions. And ain't nobody doing it like Penske. Not, a, not in this discipline of track. Penske's short oval game has been near is enough unmatched for about as long as I can remember. I mean, give credit to, like, some of the Ganassi guys, like Paddle Ward and Felix Orzo, just for, like, even being in the discussion for, like, you know, leading a couple laps, off-sequence up pit cycles, or, yes. you know, hanging around in the top five, not getting lapped. I was begging for someone at the end of race two, and we'll get to why it didn't happen. I was begging for someone to pit and be like, you have the opportunity to have eight laps of the funniest shit you've ever seen. I imagine, imagine. I mean, talking about the title race was the original question that RJ posed. I mean, New Garden's running out of time here rapidly, and it's it, as RJ. And this is a man. He's he's a big New Garden fan. He's he's seen this story before. New Garden makes a late charge to just barely finish in second. Like. Am I right in saying, RJ, three-time reigning runner-up in IndyCar now? That is right. He has finished runner-up in the standings the last three years in a row. He's and, now been, he's got it, and now he's got 39 points on Dixon, so now there's a good chance he's going to finish second again this year. Uh-huh. <laughs> I want to say... we get real sick of this shit. <laughs> well, well, that's just it. It's like... I just don't... Look, we have one more oval. Gateway in August. Yeah. Relatively speaking, short oval... Joseph Newgarden, quite cracked at ovals. Penske, Probably wins. Quite cracked at ovals. But I just don't see how he can chip enough points out of Pelot because Pelot just isn't dropping points. 
Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, Hello was lapped in both races. He was lapped twice in race two. He came back to finish eighth and third. I, I, it still blo- boggle, it still blows my mind to think that somebody's worst finish of the season in a championship like this could still be eighth place. So after the first gateway race of the doubleheader in 2020, Joseph Newgarden sat 117 points behind Scott Dixon with six races left. He finished 16 points behind. He gained 101 points in the last six races, and it was not enough. We get back to 2023. Going into this weekend, Christian Lungard has won in Toronto. Alex Pelot still leads the the, the the standings by a very funny margin of 117 points over Scott Ditson. Newgarden is 126 back. Pelot's lead is down to 80. With five He's going to win. I mean... He, I, I said in the I said in the notes and I'll say it again here. Joseph needs to win uh, for me at least three out of the last five. I don't think it's even in his control. He the only way that I see him getting back it, it, within like any reasonable distance of this is if not only if Newgarden just like top fives every other race wins like two out of five. He basically needs Alex Polo to retire from a race or finish several laps down. It's not. It's not happening. No, not, not the only place I could see it happening is ironically at the at the at the funniest Grand Prix, at the world's largest outdoor uh, bachelor party slash pedal tavern in Nashville, Tennessee. But Which then again, that could happen well, to anybody. Yeah, like we have five rounds to go. We have Nashville, the second Indy Road Course race to Gallagher Grand Prix on August twelfth, Gateway on the twenty seventh, Portland September Fillers is, is a triple header to close out the year. So it's Portland. So it's, it's, it's Gateway, Portland, and then Laguna Seca to close out the year. We have, so in other words, three road courses, one street track, and one oval. And, and Polo has been virtually unstoppable in four of the five races left in terms of format. And if last just, year, Alex Polo broke this field like a Kit Kat bar at Laguna Seca. One yeah. by 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, and and got himself a a nice new contract extension to come along with it. it and let's Kinda. not forget the first yeah. Indy Road Course race. He absolutely destroyed the field there too. <sighs> Bullied Christian Lungard yeah, off like, sequence. It, it's it's gonna take Polo retiring, and even then, like if Polo just undoes that damage with another win, if Polo gets another race win, it's realistically out of everyone's hands. Yeah. I agree with Jason in the chat. He says if Polo wins in Nashville, the party is over. I agree. I think he's just not going to chip enough points out of him. I think one more win for Polo absolutely seals the deal for me. Like eighty is still slightly vulnerable because a point swing in IndyCar could be as much as forty-eight. So one DNF and Joseph's back in the race. But one DNF for Joseph and it's Kurt. It's over. And, And that's just it. Is that Nashville? Nashville shows no quarter to anyone. No. Yeah. And the last um, time we went, it, the last time we went to a sketchy street track with with barely any history, I was Polo kind of comfortably won that and let everybody else have their problems. It, it, and it would take Polo retiring and Joseph winning together to punch that big a big enough hole into his title lead. And it just. I just don't see it happening because oh. Polo is too controlled. He's too. Measured. I've said it. I've said it before. I, th- I think. He, I think. I think. Just needs three out of five minimum. 
to to, re, to, to, to even think about a, a comeback here. Um, and he, he's got a hope or low hat slips up somewhere. the road course form for Penske just hasn't been there. No, it hasn't been. I think they've actually sacrificed a degree of their road and street course pace all year to make themselves better at the 500. And for that part, it's worked. But unfortunately, I don't know why you're leaning so much of your resources up a side 500 towards a discipline where there's only five races all year in terms of ovals and only two super speedways. Well, um, it, it didn't exactly stop Polo at the 500 now, did it? Because no. the thing that stopped him at Polo was Arenas VK to the side pod. Exactly. So it's wild. Like it's wild. Uh, as we wrap this up, right? I want to go over something here too. So Scott Nixon leads all actor drivers with twenty-four oval victories uh, over the course of a god twenty-three-year career. Elio Castroneves has been racing since nineteen ninety-eight uh, in part of full. He has eighteen career oval wins. Do you know who's third on the active list right now with fifteen? Just Garden. Garden. <laughs> I think they. I think somebody tweeted me on Sunday that he's won ten of the short track oval races he's ever entered in IndyCar now, Joseph. Which he's is just Rick Mir He's tied Rick Mears on the all-time wins list. Rick Mears. <laughs> I, I just. I, I want to leave it. A racing at there. god. <sighs> I want to leave it at there. Uh, race two had a bit of a strange finish. Uh, mm. They. Reinhardt Ray spins out. That brings out a yellow. Uh, IndyCar goes to what it calls its abandonment procedures uh, <sighs> protocol, where they basically close off the pits so nobody can go down the pits to take tires. Uh, they do clean up the car. Uh, they do clean up the wreck for Hunter Ray to ensure, and it's clean enough to go racing with three laps left to go. Drivers were largely cool with it, but Scott McLaughlin said, you know, I have no tires left. Scott McLaughlin did salvage a decent finish out of it. I'm stunned they didn't give him an emergency service, given he was a lap ahead of the rest of the field and would have finished fifth at worst either way. Yeah. Uh, I'm stunned they, 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 they didn't just give him an emergency service and put him at the back of the field. I, I just, yeah. I don't understand that, personally. Yeah, but, I, you know. what'd y'all make of this? Because, like, I... I, I understand that it was like very confusing to like just have all the protocols being run through at once when not everybody is up to speed on them. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I'm glad the drivers were informed and were cool with it. That's fine. I got no problem with that. But we as fans were not informed of this. That does not help from a communication and broadcasting standpoint that the whole idea, okay, we're going to shut the pits off if there's a yellow with 10 laps to go. Yeah. Second of all, and I've said it before on this show, and I'm going to keep beating this drum, I don't like the fact that this series bends over backwards to ensure a finish under green. This wasn't what? really bending over backwards. I, I didn't like, see the decision to go back to green with three to go to be as bad as a lot of the calls at the Indianapolis 500. It's, it's fine. I, 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 and look, it's worked out fine, right? I'm not saying that I've got this. This was nowhere near as sketchy as Indianapolis was, I'm not, and I'm not arguing that for a moment. The issue, like, the sketchiest thing I had about this weekend was the inconsistency on pulling a yellow when a car checked into the wall. Yeah, because that, we had that was an issue. In race two alone, we had uh, Canapino not actually he, hit the wall. He just he got up out of the groove, and they threw a caution for it. 
he brushed the wall, but he was running slowly in front of dr- other drivers. I didn't have a problem with that, but then someone else brushes the wall and like they don't throw the yellow. I'm with you. No, 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 no. But even better. We had Stingray Rob, who, by the way, Dale Coyne are a right oh. mess and were rightfully disqualified from the race due to this oh unsafe God. release. Yeah, yeah. They this was not. Him out, they sent him out without a wheel nut on the left rear tire, kept him going. And then IndyCar took forever to throw a caution while there was an, a wheel on the active racing surface. Yeah, and people were having to drive like around it and dodge it. There was a good 10 to 15 seconds between the live broadcast pictures of a tire being unattached to Stingray Rob's car and the caution coming out. That is completely unacceptable. While they were you know, ultra quick on the pole for uh, anyone going up out of the groove and going slowly. Weird. Uh, yeah, I had a problem. Because they weren't. Because in race one, they weren't. They weren't throwing cautions for that. That's the problem that I had in race one. Sato brushed the wall. No caution. So what are we doing here? Like, I, 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 I find it confusing how race control gets down. Like Stinger Rob getting DQ'd, I had no problem with, but the fact that it took them so long to pull out a caution, I, 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 I don't understand it. I, I, and, and on another note, um. You know, if I had a nickel for every time that a struggling rookie in the IndyCar series was effectively disqualified, uh, I would have two nickels. Uh, Because Benjamin Peterson, who, again, (laughs) let's not forget, was the quickest rookie in the history of the Indianapolis 500, was part for for not maintaining minimum speed during the race. He's outside of 105%, I believe it was. I haven't seen anybody get parked like that during an oval race since fucking John how Lacey many, and Simona in 2012. And we know why that happened. What, uh, do we know how many laps he was down? Because it was something insane. It was he something was like, like 80. He was he was a few dozen laps down at minimum. I think it was... Boy racing that happened. Yeah, like, according to Jason, 22. Oh, 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 oh Colton Herter getting parked during the 500 last year for his car being too slow. Um, that's, that's another. That's, I was gonna, I was I was going to mention Colton Hurt to get him parked, um, but I'm I'm pretty sure Benjamin Peterson was several dozen laps down when he was finally parked by race control. Again, I love that in fact it, it got up to like eighty odd laps first and then they parked him. I thought I was like, well, okay, 71, 72, nah, it's fine. Let, let, let him go. 80, 80 plus, yeah, that, yeah, park him. That's that, that, that's too many. <laughs> Good God. Race control is weird. Like, race control is weird. This race weekend was weird. Um, Look, first and foremost, if you're going to have a a green flag finish like this one, tell the audience nearer the time if it's going to be a matter of, you know, oh, no no pits being open with 10 laps before the green. Fine. Okay, cool. Tell your audience. Because that's important. Like they mentioned it during the Indy Next race as well, so I had a feeling that that might have come up. But how many people are watching the Indy Next race? Like <laughs> five, and it's all of us in our server. <laughs> that was literally us watching it on Sky Sports Mix, not even Sky Sports F1, the backup Sky Sports channel. Well, you can, well, you can add a few. You can add a few more just to see everybody. It's just to see like all the, time. all the British people staying up to watch Jamie Chadwick claw and scratch and grind for a, a best oh, finish Trey, attempt this season. I have the number. 
Go on. It was 57. Oh! oh, oh. What in the world happened (laughs) Almost one quarter distance. (laughs) What in the world happened to the team that nearly won the Indianapolis 500 on Barrett? I don't know. Because Frucci was terrible as well. And he's normally really uh, good at ovals. He was six laps, five laps down. I think it just goes to illustrate that not every oval is the same. Like, obviously, Iowa's much shorter than Indianapolis. And yes, they're both flat. But it's like, it's a whole different challenge altogether. (sighs) I don't know, man. It's just, it's just strange. I didn't have that much of a problem with the finish. But I do think that with some tweaking of the way that they just call it a quick yellow instead of abandonment of procedures. I think that would turn a lot of people around on it. And saying publicly that you're abandoning your usual procedure is never a good look. (laughs) Not much good comes from that. Like it's bad optics. I know again, if it worked out fine and to be fair, if they wanted a dramatic finish, they didn't even get that because New Garden was still untouchable at the front of the field. Yeah. Anyway, nobody nobody got- could come into the, nobody could come into the pits to uh, like to make a three lap mad dash on a new set of tires. Which I I'm was sure- I was hoping so much. Like Polo has the chance to pit, go to the back of the line, and do the funniest thing in the world. Which for is three which laps. is the funniest thing because I genuinely thought. Given IndyCar and its bloodlust for entertainment, it would have had an open pit lane at the end. But again, I think if they had done that, they probably would have run out of laps to be able to get a green flag. And then at that point, they would have just thrown the red, and then we would have the same discussion we're having at Indianapolis. I mean, I learned this weekend that that people do not get down well with yellow flag finishes because, like, nobody was happy at the end of that NASCAR race. Though, to be fair, I think it was more because of the fact that Denny Hamlin punted Kyle Larson off. Uh, oh, welcome no. to the resistance. Welcome shame. to the resistance again. Uh, uh, Tenny Hamlin. Sure, whatever. <laughs> that, give, uh, me, give, <laughs> give me, the, give me the deliberate villain over Meteor. the accidental villain. All, all I know Meteor. is, <laughs> if there is one guarantee in in motorsport, <laughs> it is not Alex Pillow winning this title. It is not Red Bull winning the F one titles this year. I know Denny Hamlin is not winning the NASCAR title after the way he's been racing. <laughs> Someone is dumping him in the championship four, if he makes it that far. And all of yeah. them are Kyle Larson. <laughs> <laughs> Without question. Um, before we get out of here as well, this is going to be a bit of a shorter episode on this one. Yeah. Um, TV ratings did really well. Over a million viewers on both races. Um, 30% increase on last year for Iowa. Good. Great news. Great to see. Oval um, viewership. Yeah, 1.14 million for, for race one. Over a million again on race two. Like I said, 30% up on last year. And there are rumors abound that we are not going to have two Indy Road Course races next year. And that the latter mm-hmm. one, the Gallagher Grand Prix in August, will be replaced with a return to the Milwaukee Mile. Is it. it time for the series to explore rebalancing the calendar with more ovals? I talked about, I wrote a piece about race fans. I think you get a healthy selection of short ovals and you get enough people to come to them so that they continue to hold these short oval races. That's the way forward. Like we don't need to be doing like high bank super speedway races like maybe at homestead miami but don't go crazy with it we don't need to go to charlotte we don't need to go to las vegas none of that stuff but milwaukee milwaukee is perfect it's got tons and tons of open wheel history and like if it comes back 
that would be amazing considering after IndyCar left the last time, Milwaukee was thinking of tearing the place down. Yes, I did hear about this. Oh, hang on. I've just got a breaking news tweet sent my way thanks to Zoe. According to Nathan Brown from the Indianapolis Star, IndyCar and Music City officials are set to formally announce plans next Thursday to make the Nashville Street Race the 2024 season finale. No, Sickos committee is in business tonight. Including a revamped course that will use several blocks of historic Lower Broadway. Ah, I like that. So we we are potentially getting Milwaukee back next year. And we're also potentially getting... It looks like we're going to get Nashville as the season finale. Oh, boy. Well, okay. Don't This is the part where you defend Nashville, isn't it, RJ? I want to ta- table Nashville for later because, like, yeah, mm. adding Milwaukee would be good for the calendar because, again, it's, it's a historic venue. It has worked before. It'd be a great come. I mean, Iowa Speedway made a comeback. We weren't sure after IndyCar left Iowa that that place would ever come back. And now, thanks to Ivy Supermarkets, dumping in like the entire gross domestic product of the state of Iowa into that facility, it is a destination event. Now, I'd argue maybe they could have the races at night, but they seem to be having success with what they're doing. So I'm not willing. But yeah. People like these oval races. People want to watch them. Texas was good. We don't need to say anything more about the Indianapolis 500. It always constantly delivers. Yeah, I, I was going to say, Texas, for me, was quite possibly top three in my all-time favorite IndyCar races I've watched since I became a fan in 2014. Um, that was an incredible spectacle. And honestly, like three like all of my favorite three were all oval races texas in 2016 where james hinchcliffe nearly won mm-hmm. graham rahal's fist pump celebration and then the other one was fontana in 2015 which was absolutely batshit insane um and you know to the point where i was like that was great let's never do that again um <laughs> you well, know. well funny thing happened along the way uh uh, the people that run Auto Club Speed, we were just like, we'll make sure that this never happens again, anywhere. <sighs> which is a which is a damn crying shame. It is. It is. I mean, my my stance on this is pretty straightforward. The ovals are the bangers. Those are the like like the road street courses for IndyCar this year have been good That's to good. great. You know, so there's been a couple of drab ones in there, but generally they've been pretty good. I don't think it's a coincidence that the that the best race in IndyCar this year was an oval race, and uh. the most dramatic was the 500. Um, even if I don't necessarily agree with it being a one-lap finish in the end, I still think it was um, incredible as a spectacle to have Ericsson and Newgarden almost turn into the fucking pit lane trying to defend that win. And it was a marquee moment for a series that needed one. Is so, this the moment the pain ends? <laughs> Etc. Um, so I am all for Milwaukee coming back. I loved Milwaukee when it, in my early days of being an IndyCar fan around that you know, mid-2010 sort of period. Yeah, I think like the, like the last time they ran, like Sebastian Bourdais 
with a, with a car that didn't 100% pass inspection, beat everybody's brakes off. <laughs> that was fun. That was very fun to watch. And uh, you, it's one of those, okay, if he wins like that, you're just, just going to hand it to him. Um, you know, like just incredible spectacles. I, I, lo- like, I know the days of Fontana are long gone. I wasn't the biggest fan of Phoenix when it came off the calendar. So yeah. I was kind of like, ah, eh, fair they, enough. They dropped the ball with Phoenix. Um, Agreed. Pocono had its... Remember, Pocono was not dropped because of AtSense. Pocono was dropped because eventually people stopped coming to the race. Yes. And look, do not get me wrong. The sicko in me admits Pocono did have, again, incredible drama and spectacle as an IndyCar race. It also made me uncomfortable to watch at times for how many accidents that place was having. Now, I don't know where you draw the line in terms of you know, it's just a matter of it being an oval race in IndyCar, and I mean, just, I mean, you know, I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound like a, I don't want to sound like a boomer, but I always felt like with Pocono being like relatively flat with long runoffs, like it's not that much more problematic of a layout than the Indianapolis Motor Speedway itself, but it's not as important as the Indianapolis 500 itself. Yes, and that's fair. All the and like you know, you raise the walls up, you get catch fencing that will not rust over the cold and terrible Pennsylvania winters. You, you got something there uh, for a track that was barely hanging on after IndyCar left. Um, you know, I don't see it coming back anytime soon. But I like Milwaukee coming back. I like that idea. You know, if you get like a double header gateway as a fallback option, that's fine too. Yeah, I'm here for all of this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Cam, how, how do you feel about the ovals in general? <laughs> and I, I'm glad you've co- you've come back from the Nashville news, and, and he's he has a death stare on his face right now, which isn't a good sign. Talk, talk to me, Cam. How many fingers am I holding up? <laughs> Cam, they're going to try um, a different layout. I. I... I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> he, he's written off Nashville entirely. <laughs> uh, to, sink, sink it to the sink it into the earth and try again. Um, look, look, I would I really know, like. I know some they overpaid ovals. for Ryan O'Reilly, but come on. I would really like some more ovals, short ovals, mile and a halfs. Shit. See what you can do about super speedways. Not that there's a whole lot of them left anymore. Thanks, Fontana. Thanks, Chicken Wire at Pocono. Um, And, you know, Pocono has no money and people don't show up. Um, Bigger problem. Michigan. But, but, you know, one of my favorite things for the longest time about IndyCar is the variety of disciplines um, and different teams at selling at different things, different drivers excelling at different things. And I want to see some more of that variety because. Not going to lie to you. Texas was pretty good this year. I still would start my improvements of Texas Motor Speedway with a bulldozer. <laughs> we kind of got away with that one a little bit, didn't we? Yeah. Um, yeah it's like the, it is the exception that proves the rule uh, this year's <laughs> Texas race. But um, I, I'd be super happy to see the Milwaukee Mile back because, of course, it is you know, one of the oldest racetracks on this planet in any sense um they were running horses back there in the 19th century like actual honest to god horses matter of fact it was the oldest racetrack 
purpose-built racetrack on this earth. Um, there is enormous heritage and history there. Um, you know, instead of glory to instead of glory to corn, glory to Harley Here? Davidson and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Nice. I don't know. He's busy trying to play Saudi Arabian football. Um, oh, but did you hear Kylian Mbappe is, is turning down that deal? A billion dollars per year. Dear God. Yeah. More than a billion. A, a, a billion dollars to to uh, play football in, in, in Saudi Arabia for just one year before he goes to his dream club of Real Madrid. Um you know, Dear God. The, the franchise that people, yeah. the people that don't even, the franchise that people don't even know in soccer knows Real Madrid. Um, like, jeez. Yeah, it, it's just a shame that you know most of the ovals in this U.S. are under control by uh, NASCAR, who don't want anyone impinging on their territory. Yeah, um, Fontana is done. It's gone. It's Fontana's uh, done. Um, I mean. Michigan would be yeah. awesome, but I all but I also feel like Chevrolet and Penske would just rather throw their money into the Renaissance Center circuit, which you know, make of that what you will. I wish we could have both because I do mm-hmm. like Michigan as a uh, as a racetrack when NASCAR doesn't try the quote high drag arrow kit. Mm. When, when, when I die, I, that might be my pick for the worst race that I've ever watched, and it was back in like 2015. Um, but yeah. Nashville is a and no chief, no thanks. I, I am I am the repeating nose from the other office meme. Oh God, please no! <laughs> Quick thoughts on Nashville before we get out of here. Season finale now instead. Then, um, no. <laughs> Besides Cam, just just just. <laughs> Just show me what the new track's going to look like. It is going to be different. Remember, they've got to build around uh, the city of Nashville deciding, no, we need a newer, bigger football stadium with blackjack and hookers, but not hookers because this is the God-fearing state of Tennessee. (laughs) (laughs) God-fearing. I'm not going to pretend like I'm a fan of Nashville because I'm not. I'm prepared to give it a second chance of a, of, a, of a better layout because I think the biggest issue I have with Nashville is its crummy layout and the, and the fact that it encourages bad habits and sloppy driving, um, which the Indy which the, the Indy Car Series has no problem, you know, already embraced enough as it is. Um, so I'm prepared to see what the new layout looks like and prepared to give it a chance. But I have always had the belief of what was wrong with Laguna Seca first and foremost, and two. Why did we stop racing at Cota again? Like, you know, it's if uh, because uh, Laguna Seca is not in a destination city, and like, you know, Cota didn't didn't draw many people the first time. Ago. But Nashville, that's a destination city. Destination city. I'm getting out of here. Uh, IndyCar is too. back. I'm, in- I'm, I'm, <laughs> IndyCar is back in two weeks' time for the group. Oh, it's it's Nashville again. <laughs> isn't that wonderful? Um, isn't that it ironic? always circles back to this goddamn track? Yes. What was so wrong with Nashville Speedway? Apparently, because uh, it's, it's, it's in the because it's it's not really in Nashville. It's like way out in the boonies, somewhere in the Nashville metropolitan area. Then call right. it something else and go there. That way there's one more <laughs> oval and one last place in Nashville. The only honestly, thing said, honestly it, it, fairgrounds. Fairgrounds Speedway. They've been the wanting to thing, revamp it. 
Uh, I was like, the only thing missing with Cam at this point is him in a tent eating refried beans and saying booming real estate market 10 times like it's a slap shoes video. That would be the only way to complete the look here. Yeah, except uh, I fucking hate refried beans. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and me both, brother. Get, get, get your fill. Um, like I said, IndyCar <laughs> is back in two weeks' time um, for uh, Nashville again because we loved it so much the first two times. Um, can't wait for that. That's going to be fun. Uh, we got Formula One, as mentioned, in Belgium this weekend, Sprint Weekend. We've also got the Formula E season finale in London. We didn't Woo! do an episode on on um, in in Rome because we just thought it was a bit too dull, quite frankly. And we'd spend twenty minutes padding time over Mitch Evans being a colossal idiot uh, again. So, uh, so I've given Irwin's. the news. I, I've taken the news about Nashville and put it in another <laughs> server, and someone. So someone has stated, uh, I will personally move Nashville to the state of Maryland so I can quote the entirety of the big Bill Hells video. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Baltimore, Um, etc. But yeah, we'll be talking about Formula E season finale in London next week. Jake Dennis, I think it's a 24 point lead going into the finale over Nick Cassidy. It's looking like it's Dennis's to lose given the lay please. of the land at the moment. Please. <laughs> God, just... Please just let him win. It's like, give Jake Dennis something. He is the Denzel Washington of Formula E at this point. He's from round the way. He's leaving with something. Um, so let's see how that goes. Nick Cassidy, Mitch Evans have still an outside chance of winning the title, but probably not going to happen. We'll have to wait and see. We'll talk a little bit about that in the season finale of, in, of uh, Formula E this weekend. So two episodes next week. But until then, I've been Dre Harrison. Um, he's been RJ O'Connell and RJ O'Connell. And until next time, thank you very much for listening. Sayonara. Later, y'all. You can't see it, but RJ is basically become the Richard Hammond drinking the bloody awful gif. It's great. No, no, no. I posted that for a reason.